On 10, on 10. Hello friends, and welcome back to the wonderful world of mixology, where today we're taking a trip to 1968 with the Monkees' fifth album, The Birds, The Bees and The Monkees. We're going to be looking today at the original mono and stereo mixes, and this is particularly interesting as the mono mix of this album is one that for many years was very hard to obtain, and at this point is still pretty hard to obtain, as it was only released in mono in, I believe, America and Australia at the time. And in America, mono LPs were being very phased out at this point. And in Australia, it is definitely abound, but people have cottoned on to the fact it's the genuine mono mix. All other countries, especially the UK, where mono is still very prevalent, unfortunately received fold downs of said stereo mix for the mono. And the mono was then only reissued in 2010, I believe, on the Birds, the Bees and the Monkeys Super Deluxe Edition, which is the source we're going to be using for the mono and stereo mix today, with one exception. Now, this mono mix was also sourced a few tracks from a needle drop, as some of the masters couldn't be found, so really we do need an original mono copy to get the closest we can to the source material but finding one of those is definitely a bit of a challenge. But today we want to find out, is it worth seeking out the mono mix of this album? How different is it to the stereo mix? And is it the great long lost monkeys album it's fabled to be? But let's get a little bit of context beforehand. The previous two albums before this, The Monkees produced with Chip Douglas. They were the first two albums, so Headquarters and Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn and Jones Limited, that they completed under their own self-control. And then after the second of those two albums, they decided to split off into their own factions a little bit more. And they all brought their own songs to the project this time, rather than kind of working more as a cohesive unit. Daydream Believer, a single released before the previous album came out and produced by Chip Douglas, was included on the album as the hit single, along with Valerie, a re-recorded track that was featured from the More of the Monkeys session on the Monkeys TV show. Similarly, I'll Be Back Up On My Feet was also featured from the same sessions on said TV show. And while both tracks were exceptionally great already, the versions on this album I personally feel are actually superior to the earlier ones, having a meatier production, especially in the case of I'll Be Back Upon My Feet, which sounds almost a little bit empty in its first incarnation. We're going to start, however, straight away at track one, and that is with the wonderful Davy Jones track, Dream World. Now, here is a difference that is very strong between the two mixes. The stereo is much drier than the mono, with the mono having a much, noticeably so, wetter lead vocal, and generally a wetter sounding track overall, reverb-wise. It could just be down to the mix itself being mono, but the vocal itself is very clearly heavy on the reverb. The stereo also feels a little bit more full-bodied, whereas the mono lacks the openness and the clarity of the stereo. Let's start with the mono, and we'll move to the stereo where things open up, but also dry up. Walking around with your head in the clouds, you don't care. 
stereo. A number of tracks on this album do not actually feature fade-outs, so the classic mixology trope of the longer fade-out in one of the mixes won't be turning up here very much, and this track is no exception, as with that we complete the look at the first track. Moving on to the second track, Auntie's Municipal Court, here's where things get very interesting. This is technically one of Mike Nesmith's originals on the album, but he's drafted in Mickey Dolenz to sing the lead vocal, and it's Mickey's only appearance on side one. Between the two mixes, this track sounds like it's vastly different, and it's got more instrumentation maybe in the mono, but this is just due to the balance being different, and the mono almost feeling more claustrophobic, but it does have a much beefier low end. So with each positive comes a little bit of a negative shall we say. The first things that stand out even more are that the guitar that's panned off to the left in stereo is much louder, the guitar that's panned off to the right is a little bit so, the vocal is definitely louder in stereo and the track is faster in mono and most notably in my opinion the drums are much louder in mono. In stereo it feels like it's driven percussively by the acoustic guitar, but in mono the drums definitely provide the steady foundation that the track really needs, and it fills out the track in a way I never felt the stereo did. What I'm going to do is play you the intro to the track and the way it builds up in stereo first, and then again in mono, and then from the mono I'm going to move back to the stereo so you can get a feel for how it differs in the main body of the track. So, let's start with that stereo intro. And again in mono. instances of backing vocals throughout this track but after the second chorus in mono they completely bury the lead vocal and really dominate the track. Let's hear that little section in stereo first and then again in mono. And again in mono. What is kind? What is kind? What is kind? 
And finally, the closing section of the track is mixed entirely differently between the two, with far more echo being used between the two mixes, and also Mike's cry of I'm dying seemingly sticking out more within the mono. The stereo also goes on for longer between the two, but because of the way this is mixed more than just a fade, I'm going to play the entirety of one and then the entirety of the other. Let's play the stereo first and then again in mono. And again, in mono. This album features some great tracks, but also some absolute dreck. And this track right here, Davey's second track, We Were Made For Each Other, is definitely no exception to that rule. I personally, in my own version, substitute a 1968 mono or stereo mix of The Girl I Left Behind Me Here. But instead, we're treated to this Syrupy Jones ballad, which fits in with the stereotype of the sort of track he would perform, and he certainly does a good job, but I feel it just doesn't fit on the album. Regardless, the balance between the two mixes doesn't feel vastly different, but the EQ really makes it feel more different than it is, with an area feel in mono. The vocal also appears to be just a tad wetter and further back in mono by comparison, and certain elements get lost in mono, notably the acoustic guitar that's panned off to the left. Keeping all those in mind, let's start with the stereo, and then we'll move into the mono. First day I saw you, first day I looked into your eye. Into mono. That's when I knew that I would adore you. It was no surprise. We were made for each other as the stars were made for the sky. And for the end of the track, we do get our first fade on the album, and here it's longer in stereo. Let's move back to the mono, and we'll move to the stereo at that key moment. Stereo. 
Mike Nesmith brings another track to the album here and his first lead vocal on the album in the wonderful Tapioca Tundra, originally released as the B-side to Valerie, making this mono mix along with its A-side the two easiest tracks to get in mono anywhere in the world as generally speaking the true mono mixes were used. Here within the context of the album it brings with it a number of the same differences that Auntie's Municipal Court had, with the bass being much more prominent in the mono mix along with the drums, giving it far more drive on a very driven track. Let's hear a little bit of the body in stereo first, then move to the mono where things start to churn along at a nice rate. Into mono. Careful plays on fields that seem to vanish when they're in between, and softly as I walk away in freshly tattered shoes. It cannot be a part of me, for now it's part of you. There's an interesting bridge section where Mike says niet niet a number of times, and with the echo, this really overdrives the track and makes things get rather psychedelic and here it's much more prominent in mono than it is in stereo. Let's hear it in stereo first and then again in mono and pay attention to when the repeat nits come in. And again, in mono. Generally speaking throughout the album, the mono is treated to more compression in the mixing and mastering processes used at the time, and this becomes very prominent in the ending of the track, where the vocal has a lot more compression than in the stereo. Let's hear that in stereo first, where things are more dynamic, Mike sounds louder, then softer, and that final held note, shall we say, decays at a more natural rate, whereas in mono it's held at a more consistent volume. Stereo first, then mono. And again, in mono.
We move now, of course, into one of the monkey's most well-known and best-loved songs, and that is, of course, Daydream Believer, a great, great top-tier pop song. And interestingly, I'm going to come right out the gate here and say the stereo mix does absolutely blow away the mono mix. But let's analyse why that might be. First of all, the vocal is much more upfront and drier in stereo, at a more normal position, shall we say, and the drums also appear louder in stereo. Let's hear a section of the track first in mono, and then we'll move to the stereo where the vocal dries up and the drums really pop out. Stereo. Now, the strings that enter at 1 minute 50 are much louder in mono than they are in stereo, giving it a little bit more of a syrupy feel, while the stereo feels a little bit more pop than adult contemporary, shall we say. This is where I also want to note that the stereo really breathes life into these strings. They feel a bit more brittle in mono, but in stereo they're far more natural and far more pleasing on the ear. Let's hear that section in stereo first, where they come in a bit later, and then again in mono, where they absolutely dominate upon entry. Again in mono. And what's interesting at the end is that the fades both end at the same time but start at very different points, with the stereo being notably longer, therefore more natural, but the mono being shorter which makes for a greater single shall we say. Let's hear that fade in mono first and then we'll hear that whole section again in stereo and just feel how it feels more gradual and natural. And again, in stereo.
And now we're getting to the end of side one with a very divisive track on the album, one that doesn't do too much for me. I like the experimentation, but it also doesn't offer too much in the way of an actual song. And that is Mike Nesmith's third track on the album, Writing Wrongs. Now, this is an absolutely bombastic track. And when I was analyzing it, it came to me that this track really could be, in a way, a fold down with much more compression applied to the mono. There's enough little bits that do give it away that it's probably a dedicated mono mix. And given that all the other tracks are, I don't see why not. But it's just worth taking that into account. But with that in mind, let's start at the beginning, where the vocal is louder in mono and the drums just have a different effect on them. This is likely due to the fact that the stereo delay that's going on stands out more in stereo, whereas in mono this just feels like a distant effect. Let's hear that first verse with both these elements in, in mono, and then move to the stereo just to feel that difference. into stereo. As noted, the mono is definitely much more compressed than the stereo, and a key point of this is that when it breaks into the rather abstract break in the middle of the song, the drums enter in a much punchier and louder way than they do in stereo. So let's use this as a clear example. Let's start with the stereo, and then I'll play it again in mono where they just absolutely punch in. And again, in mono. And to emphasize this even more, during the break when things are going crazy and going mad, things get so claustrophobic in mono and distorted, whereas in stereo, things remain kind of crazy, but never overwhelmingly so. Here's the stereo and we'll move into the mono where things just crash in. Into mono. And of course, the tail end of this wacky track is slightly longer in mono. Let's start with the stereo and we'll move to the mono. Mono. As we flip the album over, we move to my favorite track here, the great I'll Be Back Upon My Feet. 
And first of all, the instrumentation that gives the percussive effects, not percussion, but percussive sounding instrumentation, such as acoustic guitars being played in an aggressive manner, is much clearer in stereo, while the mono is more vocal and horn focused, making the stereo preferable in this instance. Let's hear a section of that in mono first, and then move into the stereo. Stereo. What's interesting is that this track is the only one that cuts directly into the following track, the poster, and it happens at slightly different points between the two. The last note in mono, which is clearly the last note played, gets a little bit more of its decay, while in stereo it cuts directly on that note. I'm going to play the end of that fade in mono first, where things are slightly longer, then again in stereo, where things end directly on that last note. And again, in stereo. The poster, which has a melody line that reminds me heavily of the Thomas the Tank Engine theme, amusingly, is very, very close between its two mixes, with the vocal being notably wet in both mixes, but slightly more so in mono. Let's start with the stereo and then move to the mono where things get just a little bit wetter. A dancing bear in a circus round the sofa. Into mono. Our next track, P.O. Box 9847, the first of two Boyson Heart compositions on the album, has a psychedelic touch to the track which brings in the immediacy of notable mono and stereo differences for us to enjoy. The first of these that I want to really bring in is that in the post-chorus section where Mickey is saying, I've described me very poorly, it's mixed Notably differently between the two, with the organ swelling being much louder in mono. The drum feel that comes after this is much louder in stereo, with the double track drumming really pounding away at your eardrums. While in mono there's an extra noise that comes after this, like a little reverse ending sound, which I absolutely love, making the two mixes very hard to choose between. Let's hear that section in stereo first, and then again in mono. Describe me very poorly Better try again And again, in mono. This leads us back into the verse, and the vocal here is definitely louder in stereo, with it getting quite lost in mono. Let's start in mono and move to the stereo where the vocal pops out. Fond of music and 
the stereo. And at the end of the track, we'll get a slightly longer fade in stereo. Let's start with the mono and move to the stereo at that key moment. Stereo. As we get into the closing stretch of tracks, Mike Nesmith pops up for one more little tune, and here is the Bluegrass Touch Magnolia Sims, which is a fun vintage sounding track, and with its vintage sound comes some skipping effects and some surface noise. And to really filter this home, in stereo, Mike just took the track and panned it as far to the left as he could, meaning that there's a tiny bit of sound left in the right-hand channel, so I say it's panned about 98% left. This means that the mix is identical between the two and is another track that we can just scrub off. So. Let's move on to Valerie, shall we? Which is the real hit single from the album. It was released concurrently to be the hit single, and I absolutely love this horn-driven arrangement, which doubles that absolutely great guitar riff. The track is a Boyson Heart classic, and while it is silly, pure pop, it's a lot of fun, and Davey puts in a great performance. And here, weirdly, the mono is noticeably slower than the stereo. What I reckon is going on here is that the mono is the correct speed of the recording and this was used in the single and then when it came to mixing the stereo they realised a little bit of speed could do the track absolute wonders. Outside of this though the mixes are very similar and I'm going to give the edge to the stereo as a result. And if you're interested in hearing this track without the horn overdub just listen to the right hand headphone or speaker as it cancels it out and makes the guitar work really stand out. But let's start with the stereo and we'll move to the mono where things just start to slow down a little more. Right? Into mono. And I wouldn't live without her, even if I could think of her. And now for our closing track here, we hit. Zor and Zam, a very interesting track, which is Mickey Dolan's doing his best Grace Slick impression from the track White Rabbits. Now, I actually prefer this track and think it does a great job, and there's some great moments in the track musically that really give me goosebumps, especially when the horn really kicks in for that final verse, shall we say, as there's no real chorus to this track. 
As a result, the main body of the track is very similar between both mixes, and I'm going to give the edge to the stereo just to the way it really kicks in there, but the ending appears to be mixed a little differently, as there's a round that comes in at the end, which feels like it's on the same track but is clearly being spliced on at the same point. Now the ending that I noted, which is spliced on the end, the sort of main drum and piano track, appears to be fettered around earlier in mono, but at the same time as does the main vocal and track, as Mickey's vocal ends around earlier, while in stereo you can hear it cut off when it finishes, pay attention to the left hand channel, and in mono this feels a lot more natural. The stereo is great because you get a little bit more, but the mono feels like a more succinct and thought out fade. There's not really a definitive one between the two, but let's play that whole ending for you in mono first and then again in stereo. And again in stereo. They gave a war and nobody came and nobody came and nobody came and nobody And with that confusing ending there, we've reached the end of the album. Now, coming quite late into the Monkeys TV cycle, this album didn't feature much, if at all, on the TV show outside of Valerie and Zoran Zam, but Zoran Zam did actually appear in a very, very early version in the final episode, The Frodis Caper. I'm gonna play that mix for you at the end of the episode as it's definitely worth hearing but it's not one I'm going to directly compare as it's so, so different to the final one that it would just be ridiculous to try and really break that down. It's a different vocal, I believe the instrumentation's different, there's no horns, it's a whole different beast. But with that in mind, I want to say thank you once again for listening and tuning in to Mixology. If you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash back to mono, where you can find extra episodes of Mixology on 45, as well as bonus back to mono content as well. We have a couple of different tiers if you're interested in taking a look. I want to give a huge thank you to new patron Bryce Neal. Welcome aboard, Bryce. It means a lot to have you with us. But with that said, we've taken a look at the birds, the bees and the monkeys today. And with a monomix that's so hard to find, is it worth seeking it out? Obviously, if you come across a cheap copy in the wild, I would highly recommend picking it up. But going through the tracks today, with the f exceptions of the couple of Nesmith tracks on side one, really the stereo seems a bit more definitive or offers up not much more than the mono already does, making the stereo, which is far cheaper and easier to find, a pretty satisfactory listen by comparison. 
I am obviously still on the lookout for either an American or Australian mono LP copy, but I'm pretty happy with my US stereo for now anyway. But with that said, once again, thank you so, so much for listening. And remember, whoever you are and wherever you are, have a great, great day. Turn upon turn and they call for a